On the podcast today, pretty interesting show. You have uh, the accusations against Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, uh, which she uh, is suing for, and you'll understand why. Uh, we have Carol Roth on to talk about the economy. Mo Brooks is running for Senate in Alabama. He's in a runoff next week, and uh, he ha- we play one of the greatest audio clips in cable news history that Mo Brooks is a part of and talk to him as well today. Jeff Brown joins us to talk about technology and everything going on there. And we go through oil prices and the Biden administration's response to them and what the Biden administration was saying and what they're saying today. Two very different things. Here's the podcast. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, please listen up. There is hope, and it comes in the form of Relief Factor. And every single day I sit at this desk and I see another testimony of somebody else in the audience that has really had a hard time with pain. I know I was one of them. And you can get to a point to where you're about to give up. Don't give up. Please try Relief Factor. It's not a drug, so you're not going to feel, you know, hazy and everything else. And it's going to reduce your inflammation. And I know. I I don't take ibuprofen because it never works for me. I've even had the prescription 800 milligram ibuprofen. For me, that's a joke. Uh, But Relief Factor works for me, and it's changed my life. Please, don't get through your day uh, just struggling all day through pain. Try Relief Factor now. Try for three weeks. This is the three-week quick start, 1995. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. Why would you do that? Unless it was working. That's why I still take it today. It's relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Wow. Welcome to the program. If you just tuned in, you tuned in at exactly the right time because you are about to learn something about uh, Lauren Boebert that is shocking. Shocking. This is coming from the very credible group, the American Muckrakers Pact. And uh, they have uncovered now. And they don't like doing Well, actually, they said they do this with glee. But... I'm sure what they meant to say was it's with a heavy heart they have to expose <laughs> Lauren Bobert Bo- uh, that she was an unlicensed, unlicensed, mind you, paid escort and met clients through SugarDaddyMeat.com. And uh, she was an escort for wealthy men. And mm-hmm. I'll have you know, in December 2019, Senator Cruz, quote, donated at least $136,250, end quote, to the Bobert campaign to help her raise large, well, they say, for her help in raising, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, but they said it was just raising large sums of money during trips Bobert made to Texas. She didn't disclose $70,500 donation made by Cruz's Federal Election Commission filings, and it contradicted her filings. Then she went out and had an abortion in Grand Junction, Colorado. Now, the timeline's all screwed up here, but pay no attention to the fact that what they were just saying about her taking money from Ted Cruz has nothing to do with the abortions 
that she apparently got because she was Ted Cruz's, uh, I don't know, escort. Uh, but he, she had an abortion and probably killed Ted Cruz's uh, son or daughter in an abortion in 2004 or five, even though the two never had met in 2004 or 2005. But she was about 18 years old, and uh, she was she was working for SugarDaddyMeat.com, and uh, you know what that happens. You know what happens there. SugarDaddyMeat.com. Now, yeah, Lauren Bulbert. Mm, it's just be careful, yeah. Glenn, because they did just start yeah. as a new sponsor of the program, so I want to make sure you're careful on what you oh, say about they? them. Mm-hmm. Did they? Yeah. yeah, we have live spots coming okay, up Okay, thank you for that. For that I, mm. <laughs> appreciate that well uh now she does say i'm gonna sue the hell out of you because none of this is true but that's exactly what you would expect a hooker to say <laughs> isn't it <laughs> it is now it, listen it to really this is. yeah now l- l- listen to this there's more <laughs> not only we're looking at the small stuff here mm-hmm. not only was she a hooker mm-hmm. i'm sorry an escort. Not only has she taken illegal money from Ted Cruz, not only has she had two abortions, but are you ready? She was also a stripper. Mm. Oh, and she and her husband had a meth drug problem as well. So they're both meth heads. Gosh, those aren't her real teeth. Now, again, I'm still focused on the small stuff because her husband also has a consulting contract for an oil and gas company for $460,000 a year, but has zero consulting experience. Mm. Kind of like Hunter Biden. It's called proof. That's what that's called right mm-hmm. there. That's mm-hmm. slam the door, you know, yeah. hit the mm-hmm. the gavel mm-hmm. stroke comes down and the, the case is over. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, you know, when her husband is giving advice to an oil and gas company, you immediately know that's a meth head right there. He's a, he's just mm-hmm. a meth head, uh, which is much worse than a crackhead like Joe Biden's son. <laughs> where we actually have the evidence and the audio tapes of all of it. Um, you know, she's uh, she's married to a husband who is an oil and gas guy. And uh, holy cow. And they were doing meth. And that's all while she was stripping somehow or another. Also, you know, being a paid. Mm, well, that's a, you could see exactly wow. what she They've is. Sh- shut him down yeah they shut him they down shut you down because they didn't want you to get the truth out about lauren bobert that's the type of power she has apparently uh, absolutely uh, incredible you know incredible i think i might band. sue too i yeah. think i think i might yeah. uh sue myself yeah. and here you have an actual uh son of a president who is actually doing virtually all of that <laughs> and more and actually doing it yeah. and we have actual evidence and yet they put all of that on Lauren Bulbert, who, you know, obviously. Again, you guys are just focused on the little stuff, focused on the small stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're thinking, you know, meth head, oil and gas, no experience. She's a hooker. She's a stripper. Uh, you know, she had a couple of abortions, 
But do you know that also she was driving an ATV in Moab and had a serious wreck with her son in the uh, in the back, and her uh, sister-in-law was so seriously injured that her sister-in-law had to be flown to a hospital via life flight. But Bobert didn't report the accident as required by Utah law, Whoa. and then she <laughs> actively worked to cover the accident up two weeks before the primary election, including paying her sister-in-law off to remain silent about the accident and the life flight. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. that's who you. That's Colorado. That's who you have. That's who you have. It's just a, a stripper, meth head. <laughs> Oil and gas, greedy, killer sister almost, and have covering up with the life flight. That's what you got right there. Mm. That's interesting. Because doesn't she? Didn't she own her own business too? I mean, just to do all those things at once is pretty oh. impressive. I mean, maybe this Finally. this is the type of thing that should get you elected to Congress. <laughs> just that type of multitasking. <laughs> Finally, you are talking about the real deal here. Mm. <laughs> I guess we are. That's the way this works, apparently. <laughs> I don't know, Pat. I, I feel like, can you just say anything you want? I understand there's a high bar when it comes to libel and all these things, especially when it comes to public figures. Uh-huh. But they're just, make it seemingly, yeah. making crap up to smear an elected official. And I don't know, does this cross that line? It seems like it might. Kind of seems like it to me. Yeah. It does seem that way. It seems like they, t- like, again, they took everything from uh, Hunter Biden and put it on Lauren Boebert. <laughs> Except Lauren Boebert didn't drop off her laptop with all of the evidence <laughs> right. that she did Wait. all of these things at a random computer store. <laughs> and then leave it. Uh, well, and then leave it there for months. Yeah. yeah, but you are, again, missing that she she used donor money to pay her taxes and restaurant rent, and she still owes her employees back pay. And she is currently threatening them if they say a word. <laughs> okay, so she's also wow. This is an evil an economic person. terrorist. Oh man, yeah, she oh. is. I mean, how evil. could you even possibly? No, you couldn't. Oh, I hope she sues the pants <laughs> off of them. Can you? I've never heard such a kitchen sink kind of case yeah. against somebody. Usually, it's like they were. She's a hooker, and that's <laughs> it. This is yeah. she also she's she's very we have it on we have it on good authority she's also an alien and she, she also <laughs> served I mean, as space. chancellor of Germany in 1936 <laughs> uh, so <laughs> <laughs> they really did come out with every single oh thing they could gosh. they yeah. could churn up here i guess that that shows that they they find her to be a you know someone who is dangerous right that's someone who they're uh, afraid of? I, I don't know. I don't know why you would do something like that. They don't seem to have a ton of evidence. I guess maybe in the uh, in the in the trial we'll we'll figure that out. Mm, well, I will tell you this. Again, you guys will not focus on the real <laughs> issue. <laughs> it's not that just. It's not that just they were meth heads. Mm-hmm. But her husband, Jason. Mm-hmm. Also a drug dealer. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. Wow, there's another this is a new wrinkle. Busy family. Yeah, I just are. I'm more impressed by how well they're able to keep all this stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of irons in the fire, don't they? <laughs> just the management yeah, skills alone are enough there. for her to be in Congress. This is incredible. <laughs> Especially you have to remember they're doing meth to keep <laughs> yeah. all of this going right. at the same time. You're dealing and doing meth. 
you're an incredible person. Mm. You are. You're worth every dime you <laughs> you you might charge in bed uh, because you're just you can do multiple things. Okay, Pat, thank you so much. Pat Gray Unleashed uh, is the name of the podcast, and you can get it wherever you find your podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, program. How are you, Carol? Oh, you know, just watching the market implode and, you know, watching the lies come out of the the, the uh, White House. So just kind of another day under building back better, Glenn. How about you? I know. Oh, great. Let me ask you a question. Um, I've taken money out of the stock market, but I also uh, have gotten burned before by taking it out and then, you know, missing the upside, et cetera, et cetera. And my my uh, guy who you know watches over uh, my investments, he's like Glenn, Glenn, it's going to come back. It's not, and I'm like, I know it will come back, but uh, you know, I'm I'm nearing sixty, so if it's back in ten years, I'm going to start needing that money. Should you have any money? I, I took about fifty percent out. Should you have any money in the market at this point? It have any idea what's coming? Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is not financial advice. And I think that you did the right thing by talking to your financial advisor, because obviously it makes you know a difference if you're closer to retirement or if you're somebody who's younger and has the time to wait it out. The reality is we don't know. If I if I knew I and I had this crystal ball, I'd be in a yacht on the Mediterranean and not on your program as much as I adore you, Glenn. Uh, but that's what I would be. doing. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I wouldn't re- have a program. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the reality is, you know, they show you over long periods of time that the people who take money out of the market tend to miss the biggest up days in the market. You know, in these bear market situations, there are these kind of bull rallies that happen. And if you miss the 10 best days of the market over, you know, a 10 or 20 year period, that ends up killing the the, the returns that you get on your right. portfolio. So I do think, um, especially if you have a longer time horizon, that you should not panic. You know, you never want to be the one who's selling when the market is down. That's when you want to be buying. Not that I'm saying to buy today, um, but you should be also hedging your portfolio and maybe realigning it. And I think it's a good time to maybe look at the types of investments you have in your portfolio. If you are looking at these high flying growth companies with weak balance sheets, you know, that don't make any money, those are the ones that are going to struggle. If they have these rock solid balance sheets, they generate tons of cash. They're in an industry that can pass um, price increases onto the consumer. You know, those are the ones who are going to survive and they're ultimately going to thrive. So, you know, that's the kind of thing you should be talking to your financial advisor about is maybe repositioning the portfolio right now. So what's really crazy because of ESG um, right now would be the time, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Wall Street, um, but right now would be the time that you would think you got to get into oil and gas (laughs) because they're going to make a killing. They'll invest and they'll bring, you know, we'll start to really boom and they'll make a killing on it. 
that's not true anymore because the market is not free. It, it, oil and gas, is that even smart to do that now? So it depends on your perspective. You know, I'm a, a follow the money kind of person. And obviously, like you said, the ESG push, the green push, the decarbonization push is so entrenched. You know that they're going to throw more money at that. And they've been keeping money from these sort of traditional areas of investment. So the question you have to ask yourself, and again, I, I wish I could tell you the answer. I can only tell you what to, to think about in terms of the question is, do you think that we're going to see a reversal, of course, because right now part of the reason that everything is so expensive is because we have had all of this capital being directed away from the industry and there's severe underinvestment in all types of fossil fuels and traditional energy sources. So the, the play that you're going to have to go through in your mind is do you think something is going to change or you know eventually here we get some temporary relief and then the green people continue to to march on and you know completely Gosh, I, kill our, our dependence on fossil fuels what is frightening is that letter that came from biden yesterday where he said to the oil companies <laughs> i will i have emergency orders where i will begin to direct this this is what hugo chavez did and it was over for venezuela Okay, so let's go back, you know, into, you know, whatever it is, 50, 60 years ago, Venezuela was the fourth wealthiest country in the world. And like you said, that the, their powers that be said, we have wealth inequality, we need to hand this over to the government, we'll make sure that you are all rich, and they nationalized oil in a bunch of industries. Do you know what the median net worth in Venezuela is today, Glenn? Don't, I, I'm afraid. No, I don't. It's zero. I am not making this up. This comes from the Credit Suisse report on world wealth. The median net worth, they went from the fourth wealthiest country in the world to a median net worth, not even an average, a median of zero. The midpoint of the country's wow. net worth is zero because they nationalized the oil and gas industry and the wealth. So and that it is the trajectory they want to take us down here. So, Carol, is it is it unreasonable to say, I mean, you know, Biden is lying to us about gas and oil and ESG and all of that stuff. He's just out and out lying to us. Is it unreasonable to say that that's the way you get people to own nothing by 2030? I mean, it's certainly one huge element of it. I mean, just think of if we had um, you know, some retraction of our energy where one day a week we couldn't, you know, have enough energy to power electricity or to get us to where we need to be. And we all had to move to four day work weeks. Think of the productivity that we would lose. Think of how our GDP would shrink. Think of the rolling consequences of that throughout the economy. And yeah, that's a really good way to start you know, killing the ownership of people. But Glenn, they have so many different ways they are trying to attack you and make sure oh, that know. you own nothing. That's just one of the tools in their pocket. I, I will tell you, I've, I'm up here at, at my ranch and I am surrounded. I live in a town of very, very small. I mean, the, the next biggest town over is 5,000. Um, and it is... Um, it's all ranchers. I mean, it's all farmers and regular people, uh, dairymen, uh, and they're all terrified. I mean, they can't buy fertilizer. Uh, 
water is already at a premium. And now the state of Washington and the state of Idaho is talking about taking down the dams, which would destroy the energy here. And it would destroy all of the water. I live in a desert. Okay. It's a high mountain desert. A lot of farms and cattle are here. And on top of that, they're also expressing to me fear that they'll even be able to keep their land. I, I think these are real concerns, and I hope the place that you're in is Galt's Gulch because we've been looking for it for quite some time. Um, but the reality is that the wealthiest people in the United States, you know, the Bill Gateses, the Harvard Hedge Fund, they have all been buying up not only land but water rights. So it's something that we do need to keep a very close eye on because the question is, you know, why do they think this is such a good investment? You know, they're they're looking for return on their investment. Right. So what do they think is going to happen with the prices that they're making investments in farmland and in water rights? It's a, an area, you know, it's one of those, uh, I'll call it a dark gray swan because obviously we've talked about it, but really not enough people are focused on it. Um, and, you know, to the extent that, you know, you've got uh, this rationing of water on top of everything else. I mean, I, I can't even imagine that scenario and the social unrest that comes with that. So we have 30-year mortgage rates. They were last week 5.5%. This week, they're now at 6.28%. And the Fed raised the rates yesterday. What is this going to mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think they came down a little bit intraday, but yeah, it's still very high. This is a very challenging question. And the challenging question is because we have such a supply and demand imbalance in the housing market, again, because of all the idiotic things that the powers that be have done over the past couple of decades. So we have an undersupply of its estimated four to five plus million houses. And that's what has supported, um, you know, the these high prices in housing. Plus, you have all of these corporate buyers who are flush with cash who are coming in and they are buying up. Talk about, you know, you will own nothing. They are buying up housing, the thing that makes people, um, you know, gain generational wealth. And they're doing it with all cash. So they don't need a mortgage. And sometimes they're not even looking. They're not even doing an inspection. So they're getting, you know, very, very favorable um, outcomes. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of what happens with the, the, the housing industry, the the mortgage rates are going to keep uh, first-time buyers and people who are just, you know, able to afford out out of the market even further. You know, they were already hurt because of the the inflated asset bubble. You know, whether that means we'll certainly see some cooling off. I don't think we're going to see like a, a 2008, 2009 type implosion because we just don't have enough houses, and I don't think so right now people are over leveraged. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Jeff Brown, how are you, sir? Jeff, are you there? I am. Good morning. Hey, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, can we start with um, can we start with just this small little mini nuke that is being developed in uh, Idaho? Can you do you know anything about it? And is it real? And could we actually get this off the ground? Uh, yes, it's um, it's very real. It's 
uh, it's interesting research uh, that's being done up in uh, in Idaho. Um, of course, these smaller nuclear reactors um, have been in development for years, uh, much safer, not capable of a nuclear meltdown. Um, very promising. Obviously, doesn't emit any uh, have any carbon emissions as it produces energy. Uh, wonderful solution to many of the problems that uh, we're experiencing uh, today. Um, but it does have one big political problem uh, that I see, and that is the fuel that it uses. Of course, it still uses a radioactive fuel. It's kind of a low-grade enriched uh, uranium, not quite the same as what's used for nuclear fission reactors, but um, probably the biggest problem that I see with something like that isn't as much um, a, a, a technology issue, but one of a political issue. Uh, there will be some level of radioactive waste, and uh, I think it would be very hard to, um, uh, to push that through from a political standpoint. Jeez, we are just killing ourselves. How far are we, Jeff, from, you know, we are just shutting down oil and gas and coal. We're going to go into uh, brownouts. Everybody is saying that that's coming this summer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for a green revolution. I'm all for, you know, everything we have to do to have good, stable energy that's really super clean. Um, but we're shutting down. We're talking about getting rid of all the hydroelectric plants and getting rid of all of the dams in Idaho and Washington State. That's insanity. How close are we to something revolutionary? Uh, well, I, there's um, quite a few reasons to be for us to be very optimistic, actually. Uh, back in 2019, I actually, um, my prediction at the time was that by 2024, um, we would have a major breakthrough in nuclear fusion reactors uh, in that um, we'd see the first fusion reactors actually producing uh, net positive energy. In other words, they would produce more energy than was required to run and control um, right. the fusion reaction. And the benefit of nuclear fusion is that um, some forms of it produce absolutely no radioactive waste. And I can say... Um, Sitting here in 2022, the summer of 2022, um, I feel more confident than ever than that, that that prediction will be proven to be accurate. And the real exciting developments are actually happening in the private sector right now. So there's companies out there, Commonwealth Fusion Systems uh, out of Boston, uh, General Fusion out of Vancouver, uh, TAE is another big one out of California. They're doing incredible work. And they're getting very close uh, to that point of, of at least producing so, proof of concept. So, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, proof of concept. Because I've heard that that they just did an experiment and showed that it is, it's possible and it's working, but it was like a fraction of a second that it was online, right? That's, that's right. They haven't built out yet a, the commercial scale um, uh, fusion reactors, which is what's happening right now. And, you know, once they have that commercial scale, and we can think of that as being something that would fit inside of a, their compact reactors that would fit inside of the, uh, a semi-trailer, for example, or, you know, a small warehouse. Um, they'll be that small and uh, much better designed for a distributed uh, uh, 
utility grid, basically. Um, when it comes to batteries, I, I don't know if you saw the Lightyear um, that is coming out. I think this is a French vehicle. And they're talking about how it has solar panels on it, so you never have to charge it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it, it also has a range of 43 miles. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can charge it as you drive it, um, and, uh, you know, you can get better mileage on it. But that's what they're guaranteeing now. They're saying this is the first one of its kind that can charge it uh, on the way. I know in my house, I'm completely off the grid, so I have wind solar and natural gas backups uh or propane backup generators um but it is it's not ready for prime time it's way way expensive and the batteries that i have are i don't know 15 or 20,000 dollars a piece and they're the size of a couch how close are we to on batteries and with everything that's going on in the world i mean we won't mine our own uh, you know, minerals for batteries. Are we going to be able to have the stuff to build them here? Well, that you know, that that car, the Lightyear. I mean, it, it's it's an. <laughs> I kind of look at that as an interesting science project. Uh, you know, theoretically, yeah. <laughs> you can charge. You know, uh, uh, the, the the batteries through the solar panels uh, to get enough to drive a few miles, but. It takes such a long time. It's not practical at all. And to your point, very expensive. The car is more than a quarter of a million dollars. The batteries add additional cost onto that. A much smarter approach is actually more similar to what you've taken. You know, put solar panels, for example, on the roof of your home, buy a $50,000 electric vehicle, and charge that vehicle with the electricity that's coming off of your solar panels. That'll get you in at a fraction of the price and, um, uh, you know, emission-free. That's a great solution. Now, there is something... I Go ahead. I, I was going to say there's something I think you'll be very excited about, um, which is a new company uh, that just came out of stealth uh, called Avalanche uh, Energy. And they are building the equivalent of what's happening in Idaho, in Idaho but a fusion reactor. And get this their device is roughly the size of a large shoebox. So one foot by feet in size. You and I could easily stand up and hold one in our hands. And their approach to the fusion reactor is very different. Rather than the temperature of the sun to create this plasma reaction or extremely high pressures uh, to kind of fuse ions, um, they're taking... Uh, an interesting approach in trapping ions in orbit and then using very high voltage to create the plasma reaction. So in theory, 600,000 volts uh, will uh, maintain this plasma reaction, fuse the ions and release this clean energy, no radioactive waste of any kind. And what's interesting about this is it's something that's the size of a shoebox could actually be used as the source of energy for a car, for a semi-trailer, for a cargo ship, and even for an aircraft. Wow. How far away is that? I'm just looking at it now. It's incredible. It, it is. And in fact, um, it's, it's very timely for our discussion. This, uh, they just came out of stealth uh, just a few weeks ago 
very promising technology, looks good on paper in terms of theory. They're already working on some prototypes. The most challenging thing that they need to overcome is really how to manage this 600,000 volt basically reaction inside of this small device. It's no easy challenge, but uh, it can be done. I can see how it can be done, uh, which is why it's such a promising company. And so I think this is a great kind of complement to these compact nuclear fusion reactors, which would, you know, fuel municipalities, cities, large neighborhoods, casinos. And then this would be small enough to uh, to fuel a small group of homes or, like I said, a semi-trailer or even an aircraft, which is a really exciting possibility. Okay, so um, one more question. I've got to take a break in about a minute, and we'll come back with you. But um, uh, 600 and some volts, uh, volts and watts are different. How many watts is that? How many watts would it take? I mean, how, can you get it from the sun, uh, from, you know, in your car? Uh, well, let's let's put it this way. Uh, an easy analog would be a 600,000 volts. Um, uh, compare that to uh, the voltage in your car battery. You know what what uses turns your engine over. That's about 13 volts. So <laughs> there's a big gap between uh, the two yeah. um, uh, to maintain this reaction. But it's not insurmountable. That's the that's the key. Okay, so it's a shoebox connected to a very large series of batteries. Uh, yeah, well, in fact, right. you wouldn't need it as many batteries because it's producing a net energy output, right? So once you get it started, it doesn't, it can feed off itself. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Wow, that's great. The batteries, that's the batteries great. would store enough energy to start the reaction and then maintain it. Wow, that that would be incredible. Okay, hang on just a second. More with uh, Jeff Brown. I want to talk to him a little bit about AI. Some really scary stuff's coming out, and you know, the average Joe is not going to know what's alive and what's not with AI soon. And we'll talk to him about that coming up in a second. Na, 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 na. 